You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Hi, I'm Chris Scott, host of Meeting Pod and contributing editor at both Meeting Place and Alt Meat Magazines. Our guest today is Wendy Phelps, Research Development and Innovation Manager at Cargill Incorporated, which she joined in July of 2015 after a two-year stint at JBS. Wendy's responsibilities at Cargill include leading a team of 12 scientists who together support the company's protein ingredients and international segments. Her team develops products ranging from pizza toppings, formed and cooked patties, as well as further processed egg products and fully cooked diced meats. The R&D Innovation Department also supports Cargill's pet food strategy and pet treats channels. We'll discuss these and other topics in today's conversation. Thanks for spending some time with us today, Wendy. Thank you, Chris. As a Cargill veteran, what was the draw for you specifically toward the protein ingredient segment of the company's operations? That's a great question. I would say throughout my career with Cargill, I have sought out opportunities that have really allowed me to continue to learn and grow in my knowledge not only of our products, but also of our customers. I started my career with our food service team, developing products across multiple species in both fresh and cooked formats. And then I moved to our primary pork business, where I had the opportunity to specialize in bacon product development for retail and food service customers, which was really a treat. And then I progressed my career to our beef and case ready businesses, where I had the opportunity to dig even deeper into our retail partnerships with strategic customers. But the protein ingredient space had always eluded me. And so it was one area that I had yet to engage with. And the customers in this product portfolio also really intrigued me. So I was very excited to make the jump over to our protein ingredients team. That sounds like a perfect example of experience and expansion. Is there a typical week or a specific period for you and your team in executing your challenges in the R&D innovation sector? Well, time goes by pretty quickly in our business. I would say our customers are throwing things at us quite rapidly. And also, we have the opportunity to bring new ideas to the marketplace. So we try to have a combination of market-led innovation as well as customer-led innovation. So in a typical week, we can have a blend of both of those. And it also really depends upon which customer channel we're interacting with which will then determine the type of innovation that we're trying to bring to the market. Our customers are very different, obviously, between the different channels that we serve, between retail, food service, and protein ingredients. But the most important thing is being timely with our innovations into the marketplace. We do know that there are trade-offs between getting things to the market quickly versus waiting and being a a fast follower. But we have a, a clear advantage in getting products out the door and working them with our operations team. So once they become more familiar with those products, they're a great resource for streamlining and improving that product performance. Well, that dovetails directly into my next question. Is there a chicken egg relationship when it comes to developing new flavors or processes for cargo products? In other words, do you and your team respond to customer requests first, or are you already working on different iterations and innovations before you're asked to come up with new approaches for Cargill's proteins? Yeah, it's definitely a combination of the two. 
As I said, we are working on things sometimes in parallel with our customers, but we want to be the innovation thought leaders with our customers and and bring ideas to them as well. Plus, it's always fun to be tinkering around with different things behind the scenes and show up and really impress your customers with new ideas. Absolutely. And on that note specifically, what are some of the more pertinent challenges you and your team had in developing the next iterations of Me products for those customers? And are these different depending on who those potential customers are? In other words, food service versus consumer. Definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of challenges that the team is facing. I would say they are slightly different depending upon the potential customer and the consumer, as you noted. Um, So like what a fresh meat customer may need will differ greatly from, say, like a food service operator. And both are quite different from our protein ingredient customer needs. However, at the root of all of them, there's definitely a clear understanding of what the customer needs to be successful and a collaborative focus to achieve this. So my team works really closely together, not only amongst themselves, but also with the food scientists that are supporting those other channels to really stay on the pulse of what our customers and the consumers are needing. The one thing, though, that we're all facing across all of the channels is definitely supply chain disruption. It's definitely a common denominator that every single one of our customers and even ourselves are, are facing. We're very focused on our consumer behavior and the economic impact of purchases. And so this is leading us to evaluate alternative ingredients and really modify processes to fully optimize the product from end to end and not just resting on the existing solution. And finally, we just focus on greatly on developing new technologies that really will enable our customers to succeed. Terrific. I want to give you a chance to applaud your team a little bit. Mm -hmm. Can you pinpoint a specific home run that you and your team were able to execute in the last few years and how that might affect future innovation efforts for your department? Yeah, definitely. You touched on it in the intro, actually. Within the past few years, our team has branched out into the human quality pet food product development sector. It's something very different for usually a community of, of meat scientists. It's it's an adjacent category that has allowed us to utilize our manufacturing expertise and meat science knowledge to reach a growing segment of the marketplace, both for direct-to-consumer as well as, as retail partners. We were able to identify a growth area by leaning into the data from our consumer insights and category management teams to better help us understand and identify the market potential. We also at Cargill, outside of protein, have a very strong animal nutrition division. So we leaned into that team's knowledge regarding pet food that ultimately led us to decide to dedicate resources, acquire scientists that are focused on pet food knowledge and and nutrition, and even reconfigure our production facilities in order to become a manufacturer that has some scale and can grow in this particular space. So it's, it's been a journey, especially for myself, who doesn't have any background in pet food knowledge, but we've been fortunate to partner with university professors, as well as, as I mentioned, our animal nutrition team to really have some wins in this category, and we continue to see it grow. So those collaborations obviously have opened a few doors that you weren't expecting to walk into. Most definitely. I had the opportunity this summer to go to a trade show called Super Zoo. 
And I'd never heard of it before. I had no idea what to expect. And it definitely exceeded all of my expectations going into it. Left there with a strong appreciation for the size and scale of the pet food industry, for sure. Wow. Let's turn a little bit toward the people themselves that work in your area. For those who may be considering entering a company's R&D operation, what type of researcher or meat science program student makes the best fit for an R&D innovation division? Yeah, I get this question quite a bit, and I think it's a great one. Cargill has a wide variety of R&D roles, ranging from very basic to applied scientist, and we actually need all of them to continue to advance the industry and support our customers. And so it's not really a one-size-fits-all. There's an opportunity for really the entire spectrum. I would definitely encourage those who are entering the workforce to not limit their job search to just technical roles. As you noted, my first job out of graduate school was actually in international sales with JBS. I gained a tremendous amount of knowledge about the sales process, how to identify customer needs and translate market trends into actionable business cases. So having experiences like that will help you develop into a well-rounded technical leader, whether that leads you into an R&D role or food safety and quality operations or even business management. But regardless of that role, you must be able to communicate clearly and effectively. One of the key aspects of our role as scientists is being able to relate technical information to non-technical stakeholders, impressing the importance of why we do certain processes to achieve a desired outcome, and even taking the time to teach those who want to learn more. These are all critical to your success in this role. I would also say that having strong critical thinking and problem-solving skills, a desire to collaborate with a cross-functional team, And really a willingness to admit, like I did with the pet food, when you don't know the answer to something but are are open to seeking help from others, those are just things that can't be taught sometimes, but they are definitely things that we're looking for in job candidates. Now, for those people that are having a bit of trouble in the communications department, is there anything that you can suggest that they can do as students and newly minted meat scientists to help them with that particular aspect of the cause? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's a lot of community resources, like things like Toastmasters. There's so much online now that you can access. I know that I'm a member of the Women in the Meat Industry Network, and they have a lot of resources that you can reach out to and leverage as well. So there's so many things that you can get involved in. If you're still in school, I would highly recommend taking some marketing classes, communication classes, things like that, that are are going to force you to put your thoughts on paper, outline how you can better communicate. Even some persuasive communication classes, I think, would be really beneficial for individuals just to understand the key points that you need to make and and how you pull all that together in a compelling way. Terrific. Now, uh, let's turn a little bit toward the post-COVID era. You mentioned supply chain issues, which may or may not be solved anytime soon, as we all know. Mm -hmm. But are you seeing any differences in the post-COVID area with regard to the next generation of prospective employees for your department? And what are some of the operational or hiring decisions that will be needed to maintain momentum as the industry moves further away from the pandemic times? 
Yeah, I think the COVID era has really taught us that we can be pretty flexible with our working environments. So we have adopted a a flexible work mindset, but I would say that there is still a great need for in-person collaboration, especially with a group of scientists, right? There's, There's always the opportunity to draw upon the experiences of your network, those peers that you have in the office that maybe have differing educational backgrounds or work experiences. So really having that blend of both at-home work and in-person work allows for that type of collaboration. We've also seen a really strong adoption of virtual meetings. And I know that there's there's the concern <laughs> around virtual fatigue, right? You have to be concerned about that. But I would say that this has definitely allowed us to connect with our customers, as well as even our manufacturing facilities in a different, more intimate way that, and frequent way that we wouldn't have had in the past. Specifically with customers, a lot of those interactions were typically just phone calls, and then we would have in-person meetings. But now we have the opportunity to interact with them virtually with video on a weekly basis or more often if needed. And that really does elevate the value of those in-person meetings that I do think were previously taken for granted. And one other piece that I would also add around maintaining the momentum is really being digitally savvy and continuing to adjust to what our talent needs to be successful in their roles. Onboarding is really a critical period of time for individuals and making sure that they develop deep relationships within the first 90 days is very critical to their long-term success within the organization. So identifying those pockets of time and again, being flexible with the in-person and work from home to really make it a good experience for both parties. So the challenge, of course, is is balancing out that in-person, face-to-face interaction, as well as the remote interaction, which can make things go by a lot faster than they used to. But of course, you have to have technology working with you at the same time. Agreed. Yes. What do you believe will be the next wave of focus for the protein industry's R&D departments, globally speaking? And will food service or consumers drive the development of new product ideas? The focus, right, is, is always going to be on what are our our customers and consumers needing. We see still high focus on flavor, quality of products, and obviously value. Price is really important. But we also see a high degree of concern about the impact of our products and processes on the environment. So being very aware of those different dynamics and and how we can make sure that we're creating the best products for our consumers and keeping all of those factors in mind. I would say that with respect to food service or consumers, there's really just a lot of blurred lines between those groups. Well, I think primarily due to the rise of the foodie culture, probably also some contributing factor of us being at home for so long and and taking more time cooking. So we do draw a lot of our flavor cues from food service trends to help establish, especially our retail development work. But ultimately, it always comes back to knowing the consumer and really taking a deeper look at population demographics, understanding the market and any other trends. And that's really going to be what directs the bulk of our future development work. And on that note, finally, what would you identify as the most satisfying aspect of your job in R&D in general and at Cargill in particular? Oh, man, I 
I do think that for product developers in particular, it's supremely satisfying to solve our customers' problems or bring new innovations to the marketplace. I loved seeing the first product that I ever made on the shelf in a retail setting and had so much pride in that. But I would say even more than that, we're feeding people and not just the people who buy our products that we make, but also the families of those employees who are working in our facilities and turning our ideas into finished products. So there's a deep sense of connection across the entire supply chain in this work. In our animal science classes, we're taught about the importance of animal husbandry, nutrition, and proper welfare's impact on meat quality. And if you think about it, the producer, all their hard work is that they put into that animal is then entrusted to us. And we have the responsibility to optimize every bit of that animal so that we can feed a growing population. And we strive to do that in a safe and sustainable way. I would say at Cargill, we really take to heart the fact that we're nourishing the world. And as an innovator, you know, we get to do that like one innovation at a time. So it's a pretty cool job. It sounds like it. Well, thanks so much, Wendy, for sharing your insights with our Meeting Pod listeners. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today on Meeting Pod. Come back every Monday for more insights on the ins and outs of the meat processing industry. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow Meeting Place and Alt Meat Magazines on social media and visit our websites, meetingplace.com and altmeat.net. Until next time. Remember to tune in on Mondays to get the inside track on the people and the processes that drive the protein industry. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Meeting Place and Alt Meat Magazines on social media, and be sure to visit our websites at meetingplace.com and altmeat.net. <laughs>